Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. You can engage with us on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, and on our website, www.counterthought.captivate.fm. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Counterthought. In this episode, we're going to be talking about today's fundamental flaw in today's progressivism. Now, this is episode 33 of Counterthought, and if you are just seeing me for the first time and you don't follow me on Instagram, you don't follow me on TikTok, you don't follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, don't use Twitter as much, but uh, still have an account there. This is a monumental episode because this might be episode 33 of the podcast, but it is also the very first video episode ever for this podcast. So thank you for joining me and celebrating this moment. This has been eight months in the making. Whenever I created episode one for the podcast back in May of 2021, I said then that the ultimate goal is to get to a video podcast. Now, the next step in the future is to have a video podcast and do this podcast more frequently. Right now, it's just every week. And thank you to my supporters who are watching. Thank you for supporting me for these past eight months and for these 33 episodes. Now, let's get into it. So you hear a lot in the news today about progressivism and conservatism, liberalism, uh, legacy Democrats or libertarians, all these different political parties or different groups within the larger political parties, Republicans, Democrats, and then you have um, your subgroups, so to speak. Well, progressivism is very popular today, especially on social media. That's where we see a lot of it, right? And that's where we see a lot of it, especially in Congress, is from a small section, a small segment of politicians who really embrace today's progressivism. But there is a fundamental flaw in today's progressivism. And we're going to get into that here a little bit. But first, a history lesson. Did you know that progressivism actually began back around 1890, 1900? Yes, it began over 130 years ago now, 1890. And it started as a response to the, the Gilded Age and the industrialism that was taking place in America and growing America, growing the big cities, growing New York. You've heard names like Rockefeller, Carnegie, um, Standard Oil, and many other names. Uh, Morgan for J.P. Morgan goes all the way back to this same time period as far as the, as far as the industrialization of America. But progressivism started then. And when it began, there were actually Republican and Democrat progressives. The two Republican presidents at the time were Teddy Roosevelt and William Taft. And they were both progressives. And I think both the, they were both Democrat and Republican progressives because they were progressivism at the time was not seen as something, as we say today, far left. It wasn't something that was seen as out there and supported maybe by a few. The root of progressivism at that time, like in its purest form, is to enact policies through um, politics and cultural changes that 
um, that improve the the betterment of the common man that shoot for America's original goals of freedom and equality for its citizens. But today we are a far, far cry from that. That's why when you hear the term progressive today, you think of far left, left wing Democrats. You don't think of Republicans because there is no such thing as like a Republican progressive today because progressive progressivism today is so far removed from how it originally began. Now, progressivism at its core is about progress. Its goal is to move beyond the status quo to a more equal and just conditions that are consistent with the, as I just mentioned, the original America as it was founded, the principles of freedom, equality, and the common good of everyone. And progressives argued at the time that rigid adherence to past um, to past versions of limited government when this country was founded, if you know your U.S. history, that that had to be discarded in order to promote a genuine liberty and opportunity for everyone in America. And remember, in the 1890s and 1900s, thousands and thousands of immigrants were still coming here for the first time to start their journey, their life, their new life in America. And progressives believe that stronger government action is needed in order to advance the common good, in order to regulate business interests, and to promote national economic growth, to protect workers and families that were displaced by modern capitalism at that time. There was child labor going on when progressivism began. And that is one of the accomplishments of the early progressives is ending child labor. You had kids eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, working in these factories, working in the U.S. sweatshops and on these, um, in the industrialization of America at that time. Progressives in its purest form, when it began and when it founded, when it originated, did away with that. And it helped create unions. And the unions at the time protected its workers because the workers were being um, basically used and exploited by these big industrialized companies and these big banks and manufacturers and all across these different industries, meatpacking industries up in New York, uh, steel production, uh, car production, motor vehicles, all those different industries. They were using their workers and paying them pennies. So that's a good accomplishment of progressivism. That helped improve the common good. Henry Ford is known for paying his workers' wages, I think it was equivalent of about $5 an hour during that time. That was unheard of. And the, one of the reasons it said he did that is so that his workers, his employees, could afford the cars that they were producing. Now, the progressive ideals, and again, we're still going through this history lesson. So the progressive ideals include freedom. They include the common good. They include pragmatism. They include equality, social justice, democracy, and also cooperation and interdependence. Now, progressivism, as far as social movements, was divided into two main groups, two categories. You had one, the movement for equality 
and individual rights. And then you had also movements for economic justice. And we are seeing those things play out today. Equality. We hear about that all the time, but but today's progressives have turned equality into equity. And I've talked about that in a previous episode, and we'll talk about that more here in a little bit. And then also individual rights. Progressives today are fighting for individual rights for literally every type of individual, right? We are well aware of this. We're um, seeing it play in (laughs) for better or for worse for um, different gender identities, um, non-discrimination based on your gender identity. I think there's over 60 of them now. Um, but going back to 1890, 1900 through the 1920s, they were fighting for the equality and individual rights of everyone. Slavery was done, right? The civil war was done. The emancipation proclamation signed, all of that was done. But there was still women's suffrage. There was still segregation. So progressives, again, in its purest form, was fighting, advocating for the rights of everyone. But it's not so much that case today. And if it is, it's actually doing more harm than good in some situations. Now, we're going to jump into the present. We're going to jump into the present. So we've, we're coming from jumping forward 100 years. Progressivism, when it began, again, its ideals were freedom, common good, pragmatism, democracy, social justice, cooperation, and interdependence. Now today, if you apply those with today's progressivism, let's look at what is considered freedom. So modern day progressives today talk about freedom. They talk about freedom from oppression, freedom from all kinds of oppression that seem like there isn't really happening, almost manufactured in some instances. You look at the voting rights bill that was a big topic this past week is one, another Biden loss of his. And going back to the summertime, whenever Georgia passed their new updated voting law and talking about how it's Jim Crow 2.0, which is a flat out lie. And Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta, which was in Atlanta as part of its celebration to Henry Aaron, Hank Aaron, who was a black baseball player. And the... um. Local businesses there, they were hurt millions of dollars of economic impact for moving that game. And where did they move it to? They moved it to Denver, Colorado, which has less of a black population than Atlanta or the Atlanta metro area. But Biden this past week came out and started talking again in Georgia about how the there's racism in this new Georgia voting law. And there isn't. It is making voting and the chance of fraud and making your vote, protecting your vote. But they're throwing out things such as, oh, it's oppressing the black vote. They won't be able to get to their voting booths and vote. They're advocating for 
they now switching back to the progressives are advocating advocating for their um, John Lewis bill and also their Freedom to Vote Act, which is basically going to federalize elections and give a longer time period for early voting and a longer time period to count votes once voting day, which is now like voting weeks, um, concludes like a week after the elections. And then we talk about the progressive ideal of the common good. Now the common good by definition means that it's beneficial for all or most of the community or of a society. But we see today's progressives trying to say that um, allowing transgender females to participate in women's sports or girls sports, girls athletics today is the common good. And that's also considered equality. And it's not. And I'm going to have a future episode about that. I have uh, a guest who's going to join me for that episode who is a former women's basketball player, a collegiate women's basketball player. She's going to share her thoughts on that whole issue. But to me, one of these ideals of, of progressivism, which is equality, that is where you can really hone in on how much progressivism has evolved and shifted to be way out away from the majority from majority support from Americans in the country today. You have, um, as I just mentioned, you have transgender females playing, playing girl sports. The latest is the, the swimmer at, um, the Pennsylvania university, UPenn university of Pennsylvania. Um, and then you have track athletes before that, going back a couple of summers, you have swimming, you have wrestling, you have weightlifting, weightlifting, even in the Olympics. Talking about, oh, if you don't, if you take testosterone for a certain amount of time leading up to these competitions, then you are considered um, competitively, you are considered like on equal footing with lifelong cisgender females. And that is not the case. Also falling under equality, you, you talk about, um, <clears throat> where is it here? I lost my note. Ah, feminist movement. There we go. Talk about equality for the feminist movement. Feminism has moved well beyond its original intent. Feminism, whenever it began, was fighting for the equality for equal rights for women. Feminism has had about three or four different stages, if you really want to go into it. I talked about it a little bit on a previous episode of mine, somewhere, somewhere, I think in the teens episode 12 or something like that. Um, maybe I'll put it in the show notes, but feminism began as fighting for equality of women. But what does feminism include now? If you go and talk to the most, I would say radicalized feminists, they're including everyone in under everyone under the sun within the umbrella of feminism including transgender men who identify as women. Now we just talked about that. That kind of overlaps with the transgender athletes, transgender females participating in women's sports. Athletically, those transgender females who were born men and now women, they beat their competition because they still have so much of the man within them, especially if they go after the go through these therapies well after they've already hit puberty and into adulthood 
So now feminism has evolved from fighting for the rights and the equality of women to be treated fairly as men are treated across every industry, everywhere in culture, from rights to vote to working conditions to pay through their jobs, through athletics and Title IX for, for collegiate athletics, um, to now you you are including people in the feminist movement who aren't even women and when it comes to athletics are dominating the sport because they are not biologically women. And that gets to me now to that fundamental flaw in progressivism. So the fundamental flaw in today's progressivism is the focus on progress and not progress as improvement. It's the focus on progress as moving forward. See, progress can have like two definitions, two interpretations. Progress meaning you are progressing, like progressing down the road, down the field, or progress as improvement. Today's progressivism focuses on the former, which is just moving down, moving along. Like, oh, I'm a progressive, so that means for me to get something done, I have to do something that is the next step, or not the next step, but literally a step beyond what's currently in place. And that's a flaw because eventually what happens is you are altering things that don't need to be altered. You know the phrase, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? And if you are going to fix it, make sure that you are fixing something that is going to benefit most of society or all of society that has support of most of society or all of society, which goes back to that common good ideal. What needs to happen is progressives need to focus on improvement. And that was the focus of progressivism in its original intent and its original form that we talked about at the start of this episode. Progressives focused on improvement, improvement of working conditions for the people back in the early 1900s, improvement for voting and um, the politics that were going on then, allowing more people to not only be able to vote, but to be involved in politics. That was an improvement. Today's progressives, though, they focus on the next step, literally the next step, not the next step in to improve, but the next step to move forward. And eventually you're going to run out of road or you're going to run out of, out of the mountaintop, out of, out of the plateau, and you're going to fall off the cliff like some of these policies today have. I mean, think about it. I mentioned the feminist movement includes now more than biological females. Uh, transgender females participating in uh, girls' athletics against biological females. There is a, this is outside of the U.S., but there is a new Canadian law <clears throat> that I heard about this week that now is going to prohibit parents from taking them, their children to a counselor if their child is starting to identify as um, a different gender, a different sex, a different biological sex. So a boy is starting to identify as a girl or a girl starting to identify as a boy. Those parents and the therapists, the counselor, would be charged if they tried to just have a conversation with those girls or boys 
about what they're actually feeling, not even a conversation to turn them to, or to keep them or to restore them psychologically to their biological sex, but just having a conversation about what is actually going on in their head. Then we've had defunding the police, right? That started in the summer of 2020 with George Floyd. And <clears throat> crime got so bad in some of the big cities like Chicago, New York, um, San Francisco, LA, to where those policies to defund or to reallocate, reallocate resources had to be walked back after a year <clears throat> and things just getting out of control. And then there is the lack of prosecutions for shoplifting in places like San Francisco and Chicago. We heard stories, I think it was over the summer or maybe this fall, about, I think it's the Miracle Mile is what it's called, the Miracle Mile, in Chicago with all these lavish stores, right? Louis Vuitton and the like, and how they were just getting ransacked by shoplifters, like planned shoplift, you know, like these things were designed and security wasn't going to stop them because the president had been set that if security tries to step in and then they end up getting caught on camera accidentally doing something, or, you know, there's an alleged accusation of, oh, there was racism from this security guard or the security guard tackled and hurt me or did X, Y, Z. You know, the security guards by stores like Walgreens and CVS and um, Rite Aid and, and whatever were just told like, hey, kind of you know, like put your hands up and just let them go. But that's gotten so, so bad in San Francisco. The, the mayor of San Francisco a couple of weeks ago or maybe now a month ago finally spoke up. Who knows if it's political or not, but finally said like, what in the world is going on? We need to take our city back. People are not feeling safe. People don't want to go out and shop if they, because they are worried that something could happen to them. Another example is the open southern border. Now that we've started in 2022, did you know that in 2021, Border Patrol says that there were 1.6 million border encounters along the southern border in 2021? And that is the highest ever. Now, progressives in Biden's administration, they're not doing anything about the southern border. Kamala Harris was supposed to be on that. She's supposed to be finding the root cause, which she hasn't been doing. She went down to the triangle, down to Central America to try to figure out what's going on, which was just basically sitting at a table and listening for, I think, a day or two, and then hasn't been seen doing anything since. She visited, I think, El Paso, but was about 100 miles or no, 20 miles or something like that from the border, not even close to any of the any of the um, border stations or like entry points into our country. Not talking to, to those people, just talking to the local politician in, in that area. But 68% of U.S. adults say that the Biden administration is doing a bad job at the southern border. But you don't hear or see any type of work happening to fix the southern border, to slow down illegal immigration, to fix um, people who are coming here with amnesty claims, 
you don't hear anything about that because that's not the goal. The goal, <clears throat> you get a glimpse of it, the goal is happening in New York. And this falls under the democracy ideal in today's, in today's uh, progressivism. Did you know that the New York City mayor, Eric Adams, the new one, approved legislation from the New York City City Council for non-citizens to vote? <clears throat> And that it's going to become law. It will give 1 million non-citizens the ability to vote. 1 million non-citizens in the city of New York to vote. 1 million. Non-citizens, the right to vote. What? Let's talk about democracy, right? You may have heard last week, I think it was, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she talked about and complained again how <clears throat> she doesn't like the the Senate. The Senate is not democratic, she said, because every state, regardless of its size, gets two, gets two, rep, um, two senators, equal representation. Uh, hello, you are a congresswoman for a district in New York for the House of Representatives. That is your equal representation based on population. The Senate is a form of a one of the checks and balance so that you don't have the big states pushing every other small state like a Rhode Island or a Delaware or what's a big state but not that many people a North Dakota around but to the progressives they want to get rid of that representation in the Senate and either get rid of it completely or they want to make it to where it's similar to um, to the House of Representatives where it's based on population. And we heard going back to the election year in 2020 of getting rid of the electoral college. We heard about that after the 2016 election because they didn't like the fact that Trump won. And then we heard about it going into the 2020 election and even being a push or something that could be pushed by the progressives during Biden's first four years as something they would want to accomplish is to, to redo the electoral college because they basically, they want to redo it all because they don't want to ever lose. They would never lose if something like that was redone. They would never lose. It would take a literal act of God, basically the Holy Spirit coming in, changing the hearts and the minds of enough Americans to ever change the voting results from a Democrat elected politician to a Republican winning if these changes went into effect. And then you have the vaccine mandate, trying to mandate employees of businesses where, that had 100 or more employee, employees to get a vaccine or be subjected to weekly testing and paying for it out of their own pocket through OSHA was declared last week as unconstitutional. Thank the Lord. That's just another example of today's progressivism <clears throat> and its flaw. Like something like that is not needed. I put that under freedom, under pragmatism, like whichever ideal that's supposed to fall under of progressivism, it doesn't. Progressives today, their issue again is they are so set on being progressive that they have to have progress. Otherwise, it looks like they're not doing anything. 
but the progress that they're seeking is the next step towards the cliff. And on some of these issues, they've reached the cliff. They've reached the cliff's edge and have fallen off. You've seen pushback from the American public, from we the people, because we are not, we do not agree with, with today's progressivism. Original progressive, progressivism, sure, because it focused on the progress for millions of Americans in righting the wrongs of what was taking place during the industrialization of America. But today's progressives? <laughs> no, no, no. Especially not if you're a conservative. Today's progressives are so far gone. They're so close to that cliff's edge and, like I said, have walked off the edge of that cliff in so many instances that modern, not modern, um, moderate Democrats are even putting their hands up saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't associate with that. And then a progressive hears that and they say like, oh, well, you're not, you might as well be a Republican. But it's that fundamental flaw. Trying to move forward instead of trying to improve. Now, I'm not going to do it here on this episode, but if you went down any of those examples that I just gave you of today's progressivism and how it goes too far, and instead of going the next step closest to the cliff, and instead to find progress, progressivism as improvement, you could come up with a way to improve all of those situations. Southern border. In that same poll, which I think was a Pew Research poll, where uh, 68% of adult, U.S. adults say Biden's admin is doing, Biden administration is doing a bad job on the southern border, it asked like three or four other questions in that poll. Some of them are like, should there be um, new new laws regarding amnesty, new policies put in place regarding amnesty claims? Another follow-up question was, are you open to asylum for the dreamers? And a couple other questions similar to that. So like there are ways to improve our southern border. Trump tried to improve the security of the southern border with, with the wall. Now, I think it's HHS. Yeah, no, Homeland Security. Sorry. Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, they've stopped the building of the wall whenever Biden, day one, that was one of his executive orders. And then since then, for a year now, almost a year, what, like a day or two from now is when he was sworn in. It's been this open border. But at some point in 2021, I can't remember exactly when, they had to start building some of the wall. And Texas and Governor Greg Abbott, they are now funding themselves to build portions of this wall because it's just out of hand. People are dying. Immigrants are dying. They're dying on the farmland and the ranches down there along the southern border. People who live and own those ranches talk about they go out and they see people who died either because they were killed or died because they were exhausted from walking all those miles in that heat or in that cold weather now. Talk about defunding the police and crime increasing, especially violent crime. Instead of progressing forward closer to the cliff, if 
the progression would have been, the progress would have been to improve, which a lot of people support. More than 50% of Americans, I think way higher than 50% of Americans, support that there can be improvements to the um, police reform, different policies that the police can use and apply whenever they're in their interactions with individuals, making arrests or having conversations and so on and so forth. Majority of Americans are behind that, but they're not behind just taking away money from the police because then you have less resources and you know what you don't have less of? Less criminals. So you have less less resources on, the, on law enforcement, but the same number of criminals or even more criminals, that's just a bad situation. That's not good. That's a lack of, again, that's going to contribute to that feeling of not being safe in our own country. Increases in crime, especially murders across the U.S. So again, there are ways to improve, but that's not the goal of today's progressives. The goal is to do the next step, which unfortunately is taking them closer to the cliff. I say unfortunately, and I don't want anything bad to happen to this country, but it is waking people up, especially those who were maybe left-leaning independents or those who in the 2020 election were so just like fed up with Trump and they were actually registered Republicans and they voted for Biden and fell for that. Like, oh my gosh, that's another topic another day. That's a rant. But they're starting to wake up and say like, wow, I didn't understand. Like, this is, this is really the goal. I don't like this at all. So I'm coming back over here. I'm coming back over to the Republican Party or I'm going to change and support the next Republican candidate in my, in my district for Congress. And then maybe for Senate. You hear that term red-pilled. A lot of people are being red-pilled because of the progressive policies. They see what the end goal is. And that if the progressives get their way, that is fundamentally going to change America. I mean, again, progressives are talking about changing every aspect of our voting system. Talking about changing the Senate. Changing filibuster in Congress. Changing um, voting rights and everything that goes along with that, federalizing elections, talking about defunding the police, reallocating funds in the police department, talking about lack of prosecution by district attorney offices for theft and burglary. Letting people only charging someone on one count when they could have been charged on 10. And then that person getting out, let's say, in, in six months instead of five years. They're just driving so many, not so many. The progressives now are just going headfirst towards that cliff. And it's sad for the people who support it that don't see it, or if they do see it, they don't care. But more and more people need to be waking up. Waking up. Thank goodness we have you know, the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch in this country. Thankfully, the judicial branch this past week for the, um, with the Supreme Court held up with that vaccine mandate through OSHA. Because if you read the dissent of the three liberal justices on that court, 
if it wasn't for Donald Trump appointing three, three justices, and it was like, let's say at least a five, four, if Hillary would have won and she would have gotten to a point three, would that be, it'd be six, three, the other way, the dissent, if you read it closely in that case from the Supreme, from those three justices, the future of America, not 10 years from now, not five years from now, like starting tomorrow, present day, if Clinton would have beat Trump and she could still be president now instead of Biden, America would look completely different. Because basically what the three liberal justices believe is that there's administrative power would know no bounds. We would have things coming down from administratively from the executive branch and all the different um, three or four letter agencies in our federal government just telling us all kinds of things to do through different mandates. So thank goodness, thank God for Trump being able to appoint three justices. That's going to be his legacy. I believe that's going to be his greatest achievement is going to be that. Because that is saving America right now from the hardcore far left progressive movement that is trying to con- trying to take off and trying to dig in and trying to take over this country. Again, there is a fundamental flaw in today's progressives. Do not confuse it with original progressivism, which did fight for the greater good, the common good of the people of America. It focused on the improvement, the improvement as progress, not the next step and not the next step to the edge of the cliff. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and engage with us on Instagram at counter underscore thought on Twitter at counter underscore podcast on the Counterthought podcast page on Facebook and on our website. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.